Okay, Google, play the Sideline Hustle podcast. Sure, the Sideline Hustle football podcast. Here's where you left off. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Drew Lieberman. I'm slow packing. <laughs> Our days here are numbered. Even the way we've come up in the world. Think about it. Yeah. We've created the website ourselves. We've made this podcast ourselves. Like everything's been done just by us hustling. And you are now listening to the Sideline Hustle Podcast. We talk about doing the show. Yeah, yeah we, we laugh and we joke and we complain about how hard we work. But if we didn't love to coach, we wouldn't be doing it. I want the good guys in. Get them out of there. I want the good guys in. To me, I think we're broadcasting the day-to-day life of what college football is. From the sidelines, we gotta hustle cause we gotta eat. From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach. What up, what up? This is Coach Leaves and welcome to episode 48 of Coach Talk. And I want to get right into it because I think this topic is going to take pretty much the whole 10 minutes that we have allotted for each episode. Uh, last, you know, a couple episodes ago, I talked about uh, my daily routine and, and the drills we do daily as receivers because that's been a frequently asked question of mine in, in the DMs in, in, on Twitter and Instagram. The next most frequently asked question that I get is, is you know, do you have any advice on how to build culture within your position room or, or on a football team? So I think I just kind of wanted to share the origin story of how WRU started, uh, what my motivation was when I kind of branded, you know, the Wesleyan receivers WRU, how we lived up to it and just tell that whole story. And I think it kind of will give some perspective on some of the tactics that I used uh, to, to build culture. I think to start, you know, some useful information just to know that. So I graduated from Wesleyan in 2013, um, and I I just, I loved the place. I had the greatest four years there. I had had an incredible time. My closest friends to this day were all kids that I went to school with, um, and we we keep in touch to this day. I've never met, I've never seen a school with the alumni support system and and alumni network the way Wesleyan does. Like, Like just constant contact and support from Wesleyan alums who all kind of support each other's ventures and and reach out and try to do everything they can to help and get together and socialize. Uh, and it really is a lifelong kind of bond with the Wesleyan community. So I have a lot of affinity for Wesleyan. Um, I, I, I started coaching there in 2016, now as the wide receivers coach. Um, and I had just come from a, a one-year stint at Albany and a two-and-a-half-year uh, stint at Rutgers, where I left Rutgers as the youngest coach in the Big Ten. I had gotten promoted to assistant quarterback coach, um, had a lot of success at that level, um, and I had, you know, I slept in a in a, the the old press box at Albany for eight months, uh, you know, obviously rent-free, and then slept in the facility at Rutgers for two-and-a-half years uh, just to kind of make these dream hap- dreams happen. I, I, w- I, I was willing to do whatever it took. Um, and then I kind of realized, more I got to know the business, I realized that my dream is not to prioritize football above my friends, above my family, above everything else in my life, because that's really what's required uh, to succeed at the highest levels as a coach. You just, it's just, it's just an, an extremely time-consuming job, and and it was something where, I, as much as I love coaching, as much as I love football, I don't think I love it enough to put it over everything else in my life, and I wanted a little bit more of a balance. So I didn't really know what I was going to do, uh, so I went back to Wesleyan to get my master's degree and kind of like figure my life out, quote unquote. Um, but I did know what kind of what kind of coach I wanted to be. I did know that I still wanted football to be a part of my life. I just didn't want it to consume 20 hours of my life every day, 365 days a year. Um, but but I went in there with with 
a, a lot of clarity as far as how I wanted to coach the guys. And I was so excited to come back to Wesley. I was so excited to come back to my alma mater, help the football team, and, and also just like kind of show off and uh, what I've learned and, and give back. You know, I feel, felt like I'd acquired so much knowledge and so many skills. I was so excited to take what I've learned and then give it back to the place I cared about most. So I came into Wesley and just, just with so much passion for helping these kids and knew I was going to spend so much time with them and do everything I could to, to make them into great players. Um, so then once I started, once I got there and kind of started watching the receivers work out, I was blown away by how much talent we had. We, we had guys that, that should be playing D1 football in terms of athletic ability. It was just a lot of guys who either were two sport athletes or just weren't guys that had been pushed and, and coached really hard and held accountable. But as far as the physical ability, like I knew right away we were going to be great. So kind of as I was thinking about it and as I'm, you know, creating my receiver manual, creating a plan for how to approach the season, how to approach these guys, I, I started messing around with a logo and it was the Wesleyan W and I was like, WRU, like, you know, wide receiver U, like that, we're going to be wide receiver U, we're going to be that damn good. These kids are incredible and I know that, that you know, I'd rather die than, than fall short of making them into great players. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make these kids into great players. Uh, so one day I kind of introduced that to them. One of the players one day in the huddle broke us down as, as WRU and it kind of stuck. Um, but the reason why I labeled us that and kind of kind of gave us that name before I had ever coached them, before we had played a game together, they had underachieved the year before, was I, I wanted to use it for two reasons. A, to empower the kids, right? There are a bunch of kids that were kind of labeled as like misfits, class clowns, they're undisciplined, they never show up on time, and they kind of had a bad rap from everyone in the program. I wanted to empower them and say, no, listen, there's greatness in this group. There's potential in this group to to be the greatest that ever came here, in, in my opinion. And I'm and I promise you that I'm here, and I'm gonna get that out of you, and I'm gonna do whatever I can to push you and motivate you and love you to bring that greatness out of you. So Dub RU to me was was kind of an an empowering label. Um, but then on top of that, because I knew how good we could be, I wanted. I thought Dub RU put pressure on us to meet those expectations every day or exceed those expectations every day because if you're going to have the balls to walk around and put hashtag WRU on your Instagram post and break down the huddle as Dub RU, you know, you're going to look like an asshole if you don't come out and, and outwork everybody every day and outperform everybody every day. We had a standard we had to live up to every single day. Otherwise, you know, we were, we were liable to be the laughing stock of the league, not only the team. Um, so those, that was kind of the original motivation. And then came the work. Then came, uh, you know, kind of the day-to-day -day grind and the way that these kids bought into everything I preached. I'm so blessed that I've learned from some incredible people, which I've mentioned on this podcast before, but Ralph Friedgen, who taught me so much about what it means just to be a coach and to be a man. Anthony Campanelli, who's the greatest motivator of people that I've ever met. Uh, and Ben McDaniels, who, you know, really taught me the, the, the technical side of the position and the fundamentals of the position that I still use to this day. Um, so I, I took all that and then combined it with, you know, with my own personality, my own love for the school and love for the kids. And it was really a great marriage. Um, and, and, you know, the first year we had a really good group. We had two first team all league kids. Um, you know, we, I think we finished six and two as a team, but we weren't perfect as receivers yet. The culture was still being built by the day and, and it took a little bit. Going into year two now, you know, it was a different story because I'd spent the whole first year teaching them how to do things, what it looks like to prepare the right way, what it looks like to play with energy and play with effort. Here's how you finish in the run game. And once that culture was set, now the second year became more about the technical skills and we could really dive into the nuances of the position because they knew what the expectations were as far as how to prepare and, and, and how to work. 
Um, and then coming into year two, had a full offseason with them. Um, and it was just crazy. Like going now going into my second year at Wesleyan, we had kids who, who you know, supposedly were never going to play for us who, you know, you're ne- they're never going to reach their potential. They're never going to be disciplined. And they were showing up as monsters. I mean, the kid, Mike Bruler, who won, you know, offensive player of the year, offensive player of the year in the league, he he looks, he's as good as any receiver I've ever coached at any level, period. And he came in as a monster. We had, we had other kids who came in and just were physically in such great shape because they bought into what we were about. And then they had invested so much time in learning the te- technical side of, of the position that we were pretty much unstoppable. Like we, we had immediate success. I think we broke school records in completions, yardage, passing touchdowns in the first game of the season. And we just kind of took off from there. But it was a product of the culture we created. It was a product of how close we were. And we, we became such a family. There was so much love for each other. And that's because we had spent so much time sacrificing everything else in our lives, spending time with each other uh, to reach a common goal and to work on winning a championship, work on becoming better receivers to help the team win. Uh, we made that our number one priority. Um, and I think about like, how do we become so close? Like, what did I do as a coach to kind of enable that? I think it's because of the standard I set right away is that I was so hard on them right away, so demanding right away. And, and but they knew I was being honest, whether what I was saying to them was good or bad. They knew that what they were getting from me was real. It was 100 percent brutally honest. But then they also knew that I loved them because I became a brother to them. I became an older brother. I was a part of every aspect of their lives. I gave them advice, whether it was, you know, the next step, finding the job, whether it was helping them with, you know, in school, whether it was dealing with social issues that they had going on, whatever it was, I was there for them completely. So now when it came time for me to motivate them and push them past their limits, they, there was never any resistance because they looked, they knew it was all out of love and, and it was kind of just that now became their default reaction just to trust me and do what I say. And, and, and it was a really good relationship that way. Um, but I think about why did we become so close? Why did we become such a family? You know, again, I set that standard. They bought into that standard and lived up to it. So now when we were in the meeting room, like, I didn't care how you acted. I didn't care what your personality was like. I didn't care if you wanted to be goofy or funny or serious or quiet. Like, I let everyone be themselves because I trusted that they were going to live up to the expectations I set for your attitude and your work ethic um, and your energy levels. You know, those were non-negotiable. You were going to come in every day with the attitude where you wanted to be coached, wanted to get better, and you were going to work as hard as you possibly could at it. And then we would take care of the rest. The rest of it was a process. But because I could trust that they would come in with that mentality, I allowed them to be themselves. So now they 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 knew so much about themselves, become became so comfortable around each other that it really was a family and and it really was we were a co- cohesive unit uh that that really could almost think for the, each other and and we're still great friends to this day i had six kids that we kind of rotated in that year who could have each one of them could have started for any team in the league and they were all selfless so we could become great and we ended up breaking every single league record for for passing you know passing statistics in a season and, and but really it's the family and the culture that I, i'm most proud of and just the love i have for those kids is, is unlike anything else um, so just a little insight into how the WRU culture was kind of built and, and started, why I started it, and hopefully there's you know some tactics and some insight that will help you you know in your own position group or on your own team. Uh, episode 48 of Coach Talk. This is Coach Liebs. I will see you guys tomorrow. Peace. Brother, let me get this thing straight. Can't just be another random rapper with a mixtape. I just went and put another beat inside a pine box. I just went and took another trip way out to Biscayne. I love Miami because they always treat me so well. They used to see me nowhere. I used to pull them by saying I run for the team. Now they running their hands through my head. Yeah, they used to never want to see my town. I, I, I got them coming to the east side now. In the 
the city where I reside Now when they move a little weight, let the D-line Now, run the track or run it back Gotta keep it moving, never run it back We run in the game and they running laps That's another story for another track See, from the sidelines, we gotta hustle cause we gotta eat From the sidelines, we got some goals that we still gotta reach Yeah Stop. Stop.